Let's take our Bibles tonight. Please turn to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to do something a little different tonight than what I had planned. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to talk tonight for a few moments on baptism. And we have uh, seen a lot baptized recently. We, um, in the last four weeks, 11 baptisms. And uh, that's including tonight. We have five baptisms tonight, and we praise the Lord for it. And so we want to make sure that we understand and what baptism is. If somebody said, well, I was baptized 40 years ago. I've been a part of a Baptist church my whole life, and I understand what it is. I want to remind you what Paul said, that it, to teach the same things to you is not grievous for me, but needful. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of it. And uh, it's, it's a good reminder for us and, and for anybody here that's coming to our church and maybe new to our church. I, I was talking to my wife today and I said in the last four weeks we've had 11 baptisms, counting tonight, and we've had 19 apply for membership. And we praise the Lord for that. But when, when somebody applies for membership, I sit down with them and I examine not just their salvation testimony, but their baptism as well. Because in order to be a part of the membership of a local Bible-believing Baptist church, we believe that it's not just a saved membership, but it's a saved and baptized membership. Uh, because baptism is the first step of obedience in following our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at a few principles about baptism tonight. Just, I, I just thought it was an appropriate night with so many baptisms this morning and tonight that it would be a good time just to, to refresh and to teach ourselves a few more things. You say, well, I already know this stuff. Well, I encourage you to do this. Take some notes. Not because I have anything important to say, but, but because the Bible is all authority. And it would be good if you're ever helping somebody else. Why They said, why do you baptize people at that church? I remember years ago, uh, somebody commenting, uh, an old senior gentleman that was doing some work for my grandma, he said, well, that church down the road, they still dunk them under when they baptize. And I thought, here's a fellow that, uh, this, this was 35 years ago probably, maybe even longer. And uh, to think that he had grown up in church probably since about 1925, and uh, he didn't understand the concept of true Bible baptism. And that, that's a bothersome thing uh, because we have departed so much from those things. And so tonight, we're just going to take a few moments. We're going to look at that. Then we're going to put it in practice. And we're going to baptize the family tonight. And we're, we're excited to do so. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the Bible says this, And go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us, Lord, understand this Bible doctrine tonight, Lord, and speak to our hearts. We pray, Lord, that you would just strengthen our walk and our understanding of Bible doctrine. It's so important in this day and age, we we, we enjoy the, the things of Scripture that bring us joy and bring us comfort and help us uh, to rejoice. But Lord, we also need to understand the, the weightier matters of the law, as some have put it. We need to understand the, the entire Bible from cover to cover is the inspired Word of God. And so Lord, I pray for this, just, this teaching time tonight that your Spirit would help us and guide us and direct us. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I once had a preacher... Uh, call me on the phone. He says, let me ask you something. He says, is there any command in the Bible that somebody should be baptized? And I thought that was kind of a strange thing from a, from a preacher to say that. He says, you know, the criminal on the cross was not baptized. And I, and I understand that. He wasn't. He didn't have the opportunity, obviously. And we understand that because of the criminal on the cross, it illustrates to us that it is not necessary for salvation. 
The man was saved. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so he had the privilege of heaven because of a saving faith in Jesus Christ without water baptism. And that's a wonderful thing to help us illustrate that we are not saved by our baptism. And so we have to understand that. That's important. But for him to ask that question, I thought it was strange. And so I said, what about Matthew 28, 19? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said that we are to go out and we are to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so, and he went, oh my goodness, and he just, it blew his mind to think that I missed that very simple teaching of Scripture. Now, he believed in baptism, don't get me wrong, and he baptized people and he thought it was necessary, but he was just looking for that hard and fast Scripture that says, where's the command? We are commanded to baptize. Baptism was a long held ritual of the Jews. It was something that they had always done. And so when we come to the time of John the Baptist, we see that he had a baptism of repentance. It was a sign that they had turned from their sins and they were trusting in God. They may not have understood what we understand as the gospel message, but they had a different baptism, a baptism of repentance. In the local church, we see in Acts chapter 2 that they started uh, baptizing their converts right away. The Bible says, And they that gladly received the word were baptized and added unto them. They followed the example of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 18. As the Lord Jesus Christ was baptized, the Bible says to fulfill all righteousness. So let's look tonight at a couple things, if you would. And let's look, first of all, at the meaning of baptism. If you would, turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 tonight. We look at the meaning of baptism. You have to understand why we do something. You with me tonight? Try to hang with me. I know it's just teaching. It's not preaching. And I'm not going to uh, maybe have a tear in my eye or a broken heart over the message like I sometimes do. But I, I, I understand the very clear commands of Scripture to be apt to teach, the Bible says. And so let's look at Romans chapter 6 tonight. Here, here's something that's very important. If we do not understand the meaning of something... It simply becomes a ritual. You understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of churches that just go through things ritualistically. They just do it. You say, well, why? why? And you know, let's be honest. If you have been in a church of any stripe in your life, it doesn't matter what kind of church, it may look different to you. Baptism may appear different, but it's just still something you've come to accept. You don't, you don't question it. You don't think anything of it. That's just something the church does. We do the Lord's table. And you, you say, well, you know, the Catholic Church does it a little different, and the Presbyterians do it a little bit different, and the Methodists do it a little different, and the Baptists do it different again. But in some sense, we can just accept that it's part of the church. It's one of the ordinances of the church. If you were to walk into church tonight, and Brother Patterson was up here washing my feet, you might say, well, that's odd. He would particularly think it's odd. But you might say, well, you know, I've heard of that in churches. Foot washing for some, they believe it's an ordinance. And there's a pedo-baptist, they call them, where they do foot washing in, the, in their church services. And, and there might be some where you, you come in and you say, why do we sing in church? You ever thought about that? Why do we sing in church? Can you worship without singing? Sure you can. You say, well, we worship that, how would we worship if we didn't sing? I remember one time when we, were, we purchased our church building on, on Parkdale Avenue in Hamilton, 
And we went in there, and they were moving out. They were moving out their sound booth. And they had about 30 microphones set up. And they had this soundboard. I mean, it was, it was massive soundboard, and they had all these different things. And I came in, and I had a six-channel soundboard, and I plunked it down. It was that big. And we, we had one microphone on it, and we had two other microphones for specials, you know, and we didn't have big quartets and things. We just had duets and trios or whatever. So we had enough for three or four microphones, and we had a couple outs for an amp, and then they went to a couple speakers. And we put that down there, and I laid our two mics beside it, and the guy looks at it, and he goes, how do you worship? And I said, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. It doesn't say a thing about microphones or number of microphones or number... So sometimes we get the idea that we come to church and we expect singing. What if you came to church and there was no singing? You say, that's odd. Well, the Bible says we ought to sing and make melody in our hearts unto God. But I think sometimes we just come in and we take it for granted that we're going to sing. Don't you want to know the reason why we sing? The Bible says we ought to do it. And so baptism ought to be the same thing. I don't want you to come and, and somebody says, well, why are they they're baptizing? And somebody might lean over to you and say, what, what is this that's going on up at the front there? Well, we baptize. We're a church. We baptize. No, what is the reason? Why do we do these things? And so let's, let's look at Romans chapter 6. There's a meaning behind baptism. The Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now there's a key word in verse 4, and you need to underline it and understand it. It's the word like. It's the word like. The word like means it's not exactly the same, but it's like. It is a picture of. When the Bible says, when I was buried with him unto death, I did not literally go into the tomb of Jesus Christ with him and die. He was my representative head. He died in my place. He took my penalty of my sin, and he died on the cross, and he was buried, and he rose again the three days. In three days, and so baptism, when I am baptized, it is a picture of what Christ has already done for me. That's why it's so important that we understand uh, the meaning behind baptism. Notice what it says in verse 3. Knowing not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross because of sin, and he was raised from the dead. Now, there's an interesting thing that happens in the garden. The Bible says that Mary finds him in the garden, and she falls at his feet, and he says, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Later on that night, he will walk through a wall into the midst of his disciples, and he'll show his hands to Thomas, who wasn't there the first time, and he'll say, Put your fingers in my handprints. In other words, touch me. That morning he told Mary, don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to my father. That night he's walking through walls and he's saying, touch me. What happened? Obviously he ascended to his father in between. He received a glorified body. Here's why I know, because flesh and blood cannot walk through walls. But Jesus walked through a wall right into the midst of them and he said, go ahead and touch me. He was raised a glorified body. 
Now, here's the thing. When I die, or, or, or when I get saved, I should say, when I get saved, I am to die to sin. The old man is crucified with the affections and lusts thereof. I am to put off the old and to put on the new. And that's what baptism does. Notice what it says there in verse 3, if you'll read it again. Know ye not that so many of us as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. We are professing that we have new life in Christ because the old man has died. It is a profession of our faith. Look at verse 4. He says this. He says, therefore are we buried with him by baptism into death. That like, 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 don't ever forget that word. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, how many of you know we struggle with that sometimes? We struggle with the old man. That's why he says we should also walk in newness of life. That's God's desire for you. You are predestined to be conformed to the image of Son. And baptism is that picture of us dying with Christ and being risen again a new creature. That's what the meaning is. But what is the mode? The mode is important too. And so we have basically three different modes. And I, I, I suppose I've heard of another that, that's kind of strange. But no, normally people will sprinkle. Right? They'll sprinkle. And, and matter of fact, the funny thing is, is the, the whole idea of sprinkling came about for practical reasons. Let me say this. We should never cut corners on Jesus Christ because we're being practical. We are to, we're to obey fully. And so back in years ago when somebody was on their deathbed, the church just took it upon themselves. Well, we'll need to baptize them because they believed, the, the Catholic Church believed, in order to be saved, you had to be baptized into the faith. And so they'd go by and you couldn't dunk somebody that was dying on a deathbed. So they'd sprinkle them with water. And then everybody said, well, let's just get practical about this. We don't have to have a baptistry tank or a river or a lake. We can just put a little font up in front of the church, and we can sprinkle babies, and we can sprinkle whoever comes into the faith, and we can just... So sprinkling came about, and others will pour. Others will pour. I actually saw a wedding one time where somebody was baptized at the wedding, and they got into a little kiddie pool in the church, and they got down on their knees, and they poured water over top of them in this little kiddie pool. They had to be baptized into that church before they could get married. Very strange. It was something I saw online in another country. Very strange that they would, would pour like that. And then, of course, if you've been here the last few weeks, we see what we do. We baptize by immersion, it's called. He said, why is that the mode? Well, here's number one. The word baptize literally means to immerse. I, I mean, really, we don't need any other proof than that. The word means immerse. Somebody said this in my hermeneutics class years ago. If the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. That just makes sense. God said, immerse, so we immerse. You can't get sprinkle or pour from, uh, from, from the word baptize. Now, the mode, baptize, means to immerse. So I want you to look at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It says, therefore, we are buried. We are buried. I've never been to a funeral where they just sprinkle a little dirt over top of somebody or just pour a little bit. You want that corpse to be buried deep. You don't, want, you don't want that decomposition coming back up through the soil. So when something dies, you bury it deep. You make sure it's covered fully. And so we, we, it's a picture of a burial. But I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 3. 
I want you to look at Matthew chapter 3. We're going to look at the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ and see what it says here. I wish, I wish the scriptures just flat out had a verse that says, Thou shalt baptize by water immersion. Dunk them under the water if you don't know what immersion means. I wish the scripture said that. But you know why it doesn't? Because God says, this is so simple. Baptize means immerse. To put under the water, to fully bury, to, 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 to cover in death. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. Actually, look back at verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan and unto John to be baptized of him. And, and I, I, I'm not going to try to change the scriptures, but listen, let me read that verse again and, and, and do something here. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be immersed of him. That's exactly how somebody would have heard it in the first century. It would have been the word baptizo, and they would have said, oh, he's going to be immersed. He's going to be put under the water. There would have been no question in their mind. There was no, there was no struggle with this. And so we see uh, he came to be baptized, and the Bible says in verse 14, But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, look what it says next, went up straightway out of the water. He was under the water. How many of you know to come out of something, you have to be in something? That's pretty, pretty basic stuff. I, I was helping supervise my wife's class this week, and I learned that down here in the day school. To be out of something, you have to first be in it. The Bible says he came straightway up out of the water. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, turn over there, Acts chapter 8, we see another baptism. And we look at it from a, a different perspective when we look at Acts chapter uh, 8 and verse 26. It says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopian, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chair, read Isaiah the prophet, then the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. So you, you know the story. Philip goes and he's reading from the book of Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I understand except somebody teach me? And so he does. He teaches him. And in verse uh, 36, it says, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he, and he answered and said, and understand this, this is a profession of salvation, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water. So Jesus came up straightway out of the water, and Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch went down into the water. You don't need to go into the water to sprinkle somebody. You can reach down with your hand and cup it and flick it in their eyes. You could take a cup of water and pour it over them. You could do whatever you need to. But the Bible says they went down into water to be baptized. And uh, notice, uh, he says, 
Verse 38, and he commanded the church to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, there it is, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And so the proper mode of baptism is by water immersion. I can't, I can't stress that enough. We can't get away from the idea that we are identifying with something. Let me ask you this. What does sprinkling identify? It doesn't identify anything. But when you see somebody go under the water, you can clearly see the picture of death, burial, and resurrection. And so the mode is important and the meaning is important. But what about the candidate? The candidate. You know, there's a lot of people, I was baptized, I don't know how old I was, but I was pretty little. How old was I, Mom, when I got baptized as a baby? A few days, a week? Pardon me? Closer to a year. That's some of my problems, they held me under for a long time. But I was sprinkled as a baby, St. John's Anglican Church. And uh, that's what they'll do, they'll just they'll sprinkle a baby. Why was I not a good candidate? Well, understand this. If baptism is a profession of our faith, what was I professing? I had no faith. I sat down a while ago, about three or four years ago now, with a Mennonite family, and they said, we'd be interested in coming to your church. And they had come a few times. And I said, as a matter of fact, we'd like to join the church. And uh, the lady had been raised in, um, Brother Hank, I think, in your church up in uh, Norwich in the Reformed Church there. And, uh, and so they had been raised there, and, and, uh, and then he had been raised Mennonite, and he was baptized as a baby. And so we, we, had, uh, we talked about that, and I said, well, listen, we, we need to go over salvation, first of all. So we went through all the salvation, and I, I believe that they trusted Christ. They, they had been here several times, and, and uh, it sounded like they had clear testimony of what it meant to be saved and how to be saved. And, and so they had both kind of come away from their different backgrounds, and they had accepted Christ as Savior. And, and uh, so that was all clear. And I said, well, let me now talk about baptism. Have you been scripturally baptized? And both of them had been baptized by immersion. That wasn't the problem. But he said, well, I was baptized when I was, and he gave me an age, I can't remember. He was a child. He wasn't quite a baby, but he was a child. And they baptized me at the church. And he says, but, I, you know, I got saved when I was 19. I trusted Christ as my Savior when I was 19. And I said, well, I said, we, we have this in the wrong way. And he got, started getting angry. You could just see it building in him. And my wife was watching, and she was getting a little nervous because you could see just the tension was building. And he was getting angry, and we were trying to keep things. And I said, I said, well, listen, I said, you know, when you tell somebody, well, you're not quite ready to join our church until you've been scripturally baptized, they'll get angry sometimes. They don't like to hear that. Uh, you can't do something, or you, you're not allowed to do something. And they're not used to churches having standards. And so the more we talked, I finally stopped, and I realized he was getting quite agitated. And I said, listen, I said, this is not a problem. I want you to know something. I said, you're still welcome to come as much as you like. And you, you're my brother in Christ, and we can love one another, and we can, we can sing together, and we can have a good time in church together. I said, I said well, and we'll just pray that eventually you'll see this as a Bible truth, that we are saved, and as a profession of our faith, we are then baptized. And uh, 
he, he, he wouldn't let it go. He calmed down after that, but he just wanted to keep digging. He said, well, I don't understand. You know, I was baptized, I'm saved, and I was baptized. And I said, no, you were baptized and you were saved. And I said, let me ask you this. I said, when you were baptized, before you trusted Christ, what faith were you professing? And his wife's light went on. You could see she just went, oh. And she says, I get it. And she texted, she wouldn't say it in front of her husband, he was quite upset. But she texted my wife that week and she says, I fully understand now. Baptism is a profession of our faith. How can you be baptized before you get saved? That's not baptism. And so the candidate is very important. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 37, we read of this Ethiopian eunuch, and Philip said, If thou believest with thine heart, thou mayest. There was a profession of the faith in his heart. Something had to take place. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, the Bible says, And then they that gladly received his word were baptized. They were saved first, and as a profession of their faith, they were baptized. Did they understand everything? No, of course not. But as a profession of their faith in Jesus Christ, all they knew is that they were sinners, they were lost, and they needed to know Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, why do we accept some baptisms but not others? Well, here's, here's my stand on it, and I might be wrong. I might be wrong, I'll be honest with you. But to the best of my ability, I've tried to hone it this way. I believe that we, we are saved according to the gospel. All right? I believe that. And I believe that we profess our faith based on that gospel. I, I believe that because the folks at the day of Pentecost, they didn't know anything. They had no idea of doctrine. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, after that, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They began to grow and they began to learn. And they had church house to house. It tells us in Acts chapter 20, verse 20. They went house to house preaching. And so I believe the gospel. He said, what is the gospel? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look there. As a matter of fact, look there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul gives us the idea of what the gospel is. Now, I'm headed somewhere with this, so hold on. Moreover, brethren, I do, you, uh, do declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I have also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures that's the gospel Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures he was buried he rose again the third day according to the scriptures the Ethiopian eunuch says I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God Peter professed I believe that thou art the Christ the son of the living God that's faith and that's belief and they trusted in Jesus Christ as their savior and as a profession of their faith, they were baptized by water immersion. Now, you say, what does that mean? There are some that would say, well, I believe that you have to be baptized to be saved. That's called baptismal regeneration. The Campbellites or the Church of Christ, they, they believe that. And there's others like them, a lot of churches like, like them that would believe the same thing. And so we would reject that and say, no, you're not saved by baptism. Let's make a proper profession of faith by water baptism. But there are a lot of churches that would say, well, I believe, 
I, I, I believe with all my heart that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again. He died for my sins. He shed his blood that I might be cleansed. I put my faith and trust in him alone for salvation. And I know I have eternal life. And then I was scripturally baptized by water immersion. And, and listen, if, if that church, even though it may not be exactly like us, if they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, pure and unadulterated, and somebody was baptized by water immersion as a profession of that faith, I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is if there's a perversion in there. And so every case is taken case by case. It's very difficult sometimes to discern. It's very difficult sometimes to understand. But we want to be very careful in protecting God's church. Make sure somebody might say, well, I believe all the things you believe, except I believe that Christ is coming back on a Thursday rather than a Tuesday. I just don't care. I, that, that doctrinal difference doesn't matter to me one little bit. Somebody say, well, I'm, a, I'm pre-trib, or I'm this trib, or I'm that trib. Here's what we all are. We're pan-trib. It's all going to pan out just like God said it would. Amen? And we're just going to trust him. And so, you know, there are variances. Listen, you can go to another independent fundamental Baptist church, and they'll have different ideas than we do. And we have different ideas than they do. Listen, we are all brothers, but we are not twins. And so let's just be clear about that. And so sometimes you say, why do they need to be, why do they need to be baptized? Well, there must be a doctrinal error there somewhere that we are trying to clear up. Because we want to make sure that the gospel is the primary thing. And that we are baptized as a profession of our faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. And so we are baptized. Years ago, we had some folks in our church from Zimbabwe and uh, they had gone to church there, and they were in a, a church that I had not heard of. It was a Bible church, and they preached the gospel, and I'd never heard of it. And they said, well, the church, as far as we know, there's just a few in East, Southeast Africa, and there's some in Zimbabwe and some in Zaire, and some in the northern parts of South Africa. And they said, there's just a few churches smattering that came out of this work that started. It was just basically a revival that took place under a missionary, and they just started some churches. And and so we all kind of have this name, and, and uh, there was no real denominational structure or anything. They just had church. And so we, we talked, and we talked, and we talked, and, and we tried to work through it all. And finally, uh, everything was, we got baptized by water immersion. We got baptized, and then I found out they got baptized three times face down. And I didn't understand what that meant. I, I honestly, I didn't know if it was right, wrong, or backwards. I didn't have any idea. I said, listen, let's just do this. Here's what Jesus said. When he was baptized of John the Baptist, he wanted to do it to fulfill all righteousness. That phrase literally means, righteousness means to be, have a right standing with God. But when Jesus said, I want to fulfill all righteousness, he meant, I want to be right with God and man. I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to cause anybody to stumble. Think, think about that 2,000 years later as we're preaching and say, well, we need to follow the Lord and believers' baptism. Oh, the Lord was never baptized. No, no, he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And so I said to him, I said, listen, to fulfill all righteousness, we're going to go ahead and baptize you. He said, I'm fine with that, Pastor. And we had Wesley Mopafu was baptized by water immersion. So sometimes we want to make a clear profession of our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ and him alone. So it's important that we have the right candidate, the right mode, the right motives, but it's also important that we have the right authority. 
the right authority. That's the local church. You say, why the local church? Because that, simply put this, let me, let me just say this first and, and I'll be done. Christ died for the church. His assembly. Those that he's called out. So the authority is given to the church. And here's the thing. He, Jesus Christ, is made head of all things over the church. It is his church. And we are following him in believer's baptism. So the authority rests with the local church. We ought not be out just baptizing people in the lake. You know, I, I, I remember one time years ago going down to Hay Creek and and uh, some of the kids that were over at Victoria Baptist were down there, and they were just playing around there. We baptize you, and they were dunking each other down there. They were just they were just having a good time, you know. It was an excuse to dunk each other. But they'd just been to church at Victoria Baptist, and that's what they saw on Sunday was a baptism. That's not what we ought to be doing. The authority is vested in God's local church. He has given it authority because He is the head of it, and He has commissioned us. To go ye therefore, teach all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let's bow for a word of prayer. If you're being baptized tonight, we'll dismiss you at this time, and you can head back and start getting ready. Brother Calvin's going to come, and he's going to take uh, sing a song or two with you. Well, let me encourage you this. During our invitation tonight, would you consider your heart, have you been scripturally baptized? You know, in the revival that we had several years ago, there were some that came that night to be baptized that simply said you know I was I made a profession of faith when I was a kid and I got baptized but I, I really wasn't saved I realized right when I was a teenager at camp or I was an adult that 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 I needed to trust Jesus Christ as my savior and so they they made that profession of faith but they never actually followed it up by being baptized and so that night they came, and maybe you're in that boat, and maybe just because of uh, you're, you're afraid of what somebody might think of you. You know, you, you were baptized years ago. Listen, don't, don't allow pride to stand in way of obedience. All right? And so let's be sure. And I'm, I'm going to name a name. Calvin, your wife, right? Amanda. Amanda did that very, and I know she won't be embarrassed. She was very, uh, very matter of fact that night about it. She said, she said, I made a profession of faith as a child, but she said, I didn't really get saved. I went to camp, yes, and I didn't want anybody to know about it. So our youth pastor's wife came that night, and she got baptized. She said, I want to be right with God. And I think that was a very good example for all of us. And so don't let pride, don't let embarrassment stand in the way of being obedient under the Lord. Brother Calvin's going to come and lead a couple songs. If God has spoke to your heart, why don't you make a decision tonight to follow the Lord in believer's baptism?